Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 513. And this is an amazing episode today. Um, I'm joined by Florence Bark and Reed Amber, collectively known as Come Curious. They host a podcast called Fucks Given, which I was lucky enough to, to go on recently. Uh, we talk about a little bit about that. And Florence has got an amazing book out called This Book Will Make You Feel Something. We talk about all those things, but I have to give kind of a content warning. Florence and Reed's podcast is a sex... I was going to say sex positive, but just sex themed, I guess. So we're talking a lot about sex, about porn, about sexuality, about relationships, um, about all of those things. And I think they're really important things to talk about. I was really, I mentioned on the podcast, I was excited to go on their podcast and talk about sex. So go over there if you want to hear some of that. But I was also excited to have them on my podcast because I think openness and honesty about sex and sexuality is so important, but it shouldn't be restricted to just podcasts that are about sex, if you know what I mean. You know, I think it's better for everyone. I think it's better for society the more comfortable we are around sex. And that's not to mean that you have to be into anything that you're not into, but the comfort in expressing what you're comfortable with. I think is really important and I think it's important for young people to have a broader understanding of the realities of sex rather than simply the mythologies, the school playground talk um, and things like that. And I think for grown people as well, you know, it should be a constant learning experience. It's a great learning experience. What, but, but if you could think of all the classes to get stuck in from school for the rest of your life, it's not much of a better one than sex. No, actually, sex education at school is appalling. But still, there's not a much better subject to uh, continue to learn on and to continue to develop and evolve. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about here. As said, I think we, I talk about it in the podcast. I think both of these women are absolutely fantastic and do really good work. I, f- I recommend them both um, as follows on s- social media, as well as the Come Curious and Fucks Given content. And on YouTube, all of these places. Hopefully you're just about to have a big deep dive. I know when I had Charlie and Nina on from Sex with Charlie and Nina, another fantastic podcast. If you've come here for Reed and Florence, I recommend Sex with Charlie and Nina, the podcast. I can't personally recommend the actual, um, I'm going to stop talking. Um, But yeah, I know they had a, a, a really nice kind of uptake in people going, oh, this is really good to hear just people talking honestly and openly about relationships, about sex, about sexuality, everything. So yeah, it's really good. As ever, we're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We touch upon the fact that Reed was into some of my music back in the day. Speechdevelopmentrecords.com is where you can get all the music-based stuff, you can get podcast stuff, you can get all sorts of good merch. We've done some crazy things over the years. We've done swimsuits, uh, swim shorts, vests, sunglasses, all sorts of hats, all sorts of accoutrements for your day-to-day life. So head over there and see what you fancy. And there's a rumour that we're about to restock the sunglasses that sell out every year because I only do a limited run because it feels kind of nice to be in demand. Um, (laughs) And that's more important to me than cold hard cash. So um, yeah, we're going to restock them sunglasses in the next few w- w- weeks. There's going to be a limited run of the original white on black, and there's going to be a very limited run of the gold on black. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Let's get into the podcast, shall we? In fact, actually, while we're here, 
I did an episode a while back on the subject of, I believe it was on the subjects of sex and death with Carla Valentine. Dig back into the back catalogue for that. I'm trying to think of any other good ones that might be worth, that might be relevant from deep into the back catalogue. But yeah, there's one for now. Oh, what's the, yeah, we talked about robots and sex with Dr. Oh, Kate uh, uh, Devlin. There we go. I got there in the end. Um, so yeah, check that out as well. We've had some really good chats in the past, so go and have a look. And I had Charlie and Nina from Sex with... Uh, let's get on with the podcast. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 513, with Florence and Reed, collectively known as Come Curious. I'm here today with Florence Bark and Reed Amber. How are you both? Hey. Hi. We we sound so happy and that's just a pure lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's different guesting on podcast than doing your own, isn't it? Because on your own you feel far more comfortable going, you know what? I'm not feeling great. Or this or that <laughs> yes. when you're guesting, you're like, everything's wonderful, thank you. How are you? Yeah, so good. So yeah. good. Really happy. <laughs> having the best time of our lives right now. Um, no, just, just we're going through it at the moment, Florence and I, with podcast stuff and I'm having a bad mental health day. But you're right. When you go on someone else's podcast, you don't really think about saying this, although it did just sort of spill out. I feel like I can be honest with you. you know? Yeah, you can be completely honest here. But you know what as well? I really find like the fake it till you make it thing. There's been points I've gone on a podcast feeling rough and come out feeling amazing because I've oh had to get goodness, into that mode. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, actually, this is Life all really good so and positive. Bad. Honestly, I swear, sometimes the the podcast is therapy for us and we go on feeling sluggish and down. And you're right, you you crack a smile. I mean, the chemicals roll, whether you believe it or not, like they're they're in there. It's giving yourself that sort of hug and believing that you are okay because we are okay. But yeah, it's a a moment, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is going to be a positive experience. I microdosed yesterday. Oh, you microdosed yesterday. Yeah, so I'm feeling like a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I microdosed this morning because I was like, I oh, this this sucks. I can't do another day of this. No, nature's antidepressant. I like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah? it. Well, again, one of the things I I, I I love about you guys and your podcast is your honesty, and I think you're really good examples. But we'll get into all of that because 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 I made a note <laughs> yes. as well. I made a note. Examples of what? <laughs> Honestly, it's positive. This is going to be, as, as you saw when I guessed it on yours, I'm just going yes. to shower you in praise the whole time. So that it's going to be a wonderful hour. It. Don't worry about that. Stop but it. On so much, like, I want to talk about your podcast. I want to talk about your whole lives and careers, really. But people usually plug stuff at the end of a podcast, which mm-hmm. statistically is where the least people are, are listening. So <laughs> right? Florence, yeah. I want to kind of kick things off by talking a bit about your book. Because it's incredibly Ooh, exciting. I've heard about it on your podcast. You uploaded some some preview audio recently and things like that. T- yeah. Tell us about your book. How did it come about? What is it? And how ridiculously excited are you? I'm very excited and nervous all at the same time. It's like this yeah. huge thing where it's like you've worked on something and put so much effort into it. And now mm. it's like, but people, please like it. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. the book is called This Book Will Make You Feel Something. And it's all about getting people talking and opening up about masturbation and connecting with their bodies and enjoying solo sex more. We've got everything in the book from like tools to turn you on, the stories, 25 very sexy, short, erotic stories. Yeah. And then in between each story, we have tips, techniques. We've got a whole anatomy section. We've got breath work. We've got <laughs> butt stuff, like everything that's going to heighten your experience. Yeah, I love it. it. I think it's such a good idea. Like it feels like sexting, but without having to have a the dickhead on the other end of the of the conversation, <laughs> yes. having to rely on another human yeah. that you're then going to yeah. have to feel some kind of weirdness over. It's, yeah, you've got your private collection. Florence read out a sneak preview of it yesterday for us on the podcast, and it was of the sheriff and the bandit. And oh, oh my <laughs> goodness! I was like, "Don't stop reading! I need more! Like, give me more! Give I cannot wait more. to have this book in my hands. It is, it is going to make you feel something." The exciting part of it as well is that the the stories have been written in a certain way to leave it open to whoever's reading it, their imagination to come up with who the characters are. I've left out any descriptors really of the people. So you can really kind of put yeah. what turns you on into these people, mm -hmm. which is quite exciting because it's not really been done before in Erotica because mm. it's always quite like character led. Yeah, um, but here it's just like this is horny lead. Like, it's just going <laughs> to turn you on. I love it. I think it's such a great thing as well because, particularly because of the digital age, sex and sexuality or or porn, I guess, tends to focus so much on the physical, on exactly mm -hmm. what you're being presented with. Whereas I think, and again, we have that in our minds as humans as well. You you, you think you're going to meet up and have sex with someone, it's all about the physical, but there's so much yeah. that's about the mental and the mind and the brain and the set and the setting and all these other things that play huge parts in it that we ignore a lot of the time because it's like, mm -hmm. we're going to have sex, there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And yeah, I love this that you've, you've essentially removed the physical from this because it's it's putting it all into your head as such. Yeah. I love just being turned on in my mind as well. Yeah. Like I've always been yeah. a huge fan of erotica. Mm -hmm. I think when I like first, I think it all started with Twilight and that kind of like horny <laughs> yeah. teenage angst in that yeah. book. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, vampires. Yeah. And then True, <laughs> do you remember when True Blood came out on TV? Yeah. And it was like, what the hell did I just watch? That was like the sexiest thing I've ever seen, like let alone on TV where my mum was in the same room watching it as well. <laughs> my, my second ever acting gig was with Vampire Bill, which isn't his real name, but I refuse no to way. call him anything other than Vampire Ew. Bill the whole time we were working Ew. together. Shooky. Shooky. Yeah, that was amazing. Was so I completely agree. That was, that was a real... Sh show for me I think it was the f yeah. it was one of the first points that I became comfortable appreciating the male form as such mm, Did you, yeah. you know I mean or accepting that so because I am great. kind of depressingly heterosexual but there's still that doesn't mean you can't kind of just and again everyone in that mm. Eric and Bill and everyone and yeah uh, uh, Jesus brother was the one that because Amazing. he was playing an absolute idiot yeah but then he'd take yeah. his shirt off and I'd be like 
So what's this wow. idiot got to say? What do you, what's going on here? I need, I need to hear more from this, this idiot. It's like, this is so weird because it's not a sexual attraction, but it's mm. definitely a physical attraction and appreciation. Which yeah, is. yeah. It's so hard to know the difference between an actual attraction and appreciation. They can mold yeah. so closely together. And I think that's why a lot of people get scared when it comes to sexuality. If they're, If mm. people are so set in their ways, they see something that might, you know, challenge that. And mm. a lot of people just that it shut it out or repress yeah. it. And that's even more dangerous because it always comes up to bite you in the ass later. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So so you kind of touched upon the nerves there, Florence. And it's an interesting one because so much of what we create in general in the modern world is disposable content. And I don't mean that as a negative thing. Like we put a pod, mm. we, we record a podcast, we put the podcast out, it's done there's another mm-hmm. one next week. We then do another. So it's all building, but it is seen as it happens and then it's gone. Like we do it with TV all the time now because it all comes out in one go. There'll be yeah. this huge show that we've been waiting for. We'll watch it all yeah. in one weekend and then it's over. So this is something that isn't like podcasting where you record it, it's out, it's on to the next one. This is something that you've had to work on for so long and then you get to go, here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you need to kind of make sure that you revel in it at least, I guess, in going, oh, look what I've done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying really hard to mm-hmm. sit in that appreciation. I think that when when it's going to come is when people are actually reading it and I'm getting mm-hmm. like proper feedback from mm-hmm. everyone because I think it's quite hard at this point is that I've heard, you know, my publishers really big it up to me and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah, but you're like, that's you're like the parent to. saying that <laughs> yeah. to their child. You know? Doesn't land the same. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what everyone thinks, really. Mm. And then I can be like, oh, you know what? I did a, I did a good job. Yeah. Mm. Yes, go me. Although you should be saying I did a good job even before it's out. You should be proud of the work that you've done, regardless of what anyone else says. (laughs) Hard though, almost impossible to do that. Why is it so hard? On my record label, we would always do like a celebratory meal when we kind of either submitted the artwork or got the physical copies rather than the release day. Because as soon as the release day comes, you can't help but be checking sales numbers, yeah. uh, likes, mm. all these other different things that aren't the important bit. The important bit is what you've created and what you've mm-hmm. done. And again, I saw that's true. the box of them arriving for you and things like that. It's like, that's fucking, is, that's, that, that's amazing. And yeah, that, that should be a celebration already. Yeah, that when, when I finally like held the physical copy, that was really cool because... Mm-hmm. Everything just feels like it's in this weird, like, internet world until you're holding it in your actual palms. And I think that's kind of what you said earlier, is that the work we do doesn't do that. Like, we've Mm. never, like, held our work before. Like, it's always just, like, on our mobile phones, on our laptops, in our ears. Like, there's never been a physical copy of what we've put all this hard work into. Mm -hmm. So that's that's something that's super cool. And, like, being able to just give it out and, like, gift it to people is also really, really nice. To be like, look, I did this. Like, you can have it. It feels more legitimate, right? I like I, mm. I I put numerous albums out and like toured the world, but then when I got to do my first book, I felt like a kind of see, I, I 
it is a real job. I am actually doing something. This is this is proper. I was like, done all this other stuff that I should be patting myself on the back for, but that it just feels more grown up, doesn't it? I guess. I'm an author. I'm an author. I'm I'm a real boy. Yeah. Isn't it weird? It's got some kind of like academic cred to it. It's like almost like doing a doctorate and getting a PhD. It's like I wrote a book. It's Mm. it's got that kind of level of authority in, I guess, in the intellectual world. Yeah, yeah, completely. It, is, it shouldn't be like that because exactly like what, what the say, other really. stuff we do is just as valuable. But yeah. It's, yeah. I think, is that our upbringing? Is that us going through school and everything being directed and guided by books? And, and you know, we do our dissertation from books and we, we learn from yeah. books. And now that's all sort of changing. We're not in school mm. now where it's really normal to have laptops and yeah. be on your phones. And yeah, maybe it's just like, it's almost like looking at, I don't know, we've been brought up with this being the ultimate, the pioneer of everything. Yeah, yeah it's odd. Mm. It's how we consume as well, right? Like no one gives <laughs> yeah. a, like a podcast as a gift, but they give a book as a gift or they <laughs> give, you know, true. a DVD yeah. as a gift and yeah. things like this. So it feels more physical and and, and real. But I, th- yeah. I think it's interesting. And again, mm-hmm. it's something I think you guys will have a, a view on because you've been making content for a long time. I think it was really interesting during the pandemic because everyone started making podcasts yeah. And everyone realised yeah. how hard it is to make and maintain and continue doing podcasts. So it kind of, yeah. it suddenly felt like people have been doing it for a long time and been doing all sorts of content for a long time. I like you guys suddenly had everyone else going, oh no, actually, this takes a lot of work, yeah. doesn't it? This is actually really hard to do this. It kind of yeah. added yeah. a bit of credibility in that respect that was nice. Although I do feel like it was completely saturated yeah. with podcast over yeah. that time. It was. How many lasted? How many lasted? Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah. it's left this residue of being a podcast host isn't a proper job. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really so. feel it's like valid. I feel embarrassed now when someone ask me what I do and I'm like oh I have a podcast because they're like oh yeah like everyone has a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like no legit it's like, <laughs> like that I'm, I, I mean job. that must have been the worst period where you've got a podcast and you're r- writing a book because writing mm. a book is very different from having written a book because oh, it's such yeah. an easy thing to so many people are writing a book so yeah that must have been a bad period where you feel completely illegitimate and un. <laughs> incredible. It's like no, it's real. It's all real. I swear. We real. saw we saw the same thing with OnlyFans, right? Through lockdown, OnlyFans was popping off everywhere, and it was suddenly like, but wait, like we've been doing this for a while. It's actually really hard work, and then you're getting all your mates complain to you, like, oh my god, like you have to do this and do that, and it's like, yeah, man, yeah. it's a lot of fucking work. It Being a all, sex worker is a lot of work. work. It's yeah. so weird. Like, there's been times I've posted about sex work, mm-hmm. and people have tried to argue. And they've been shocked when I've said things like sex workers pay taxes. And that, yeah, yeah. So that should be the most obvious thing, but it's like, yeah. because they'll always argue, oh, well, if sex workers work, then so is drug dealing or whatever else. So like, yeah. No, 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 that's illegal. I mean, I would argue it is work because I think it should be legal. So, but you know, yes, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the current situation, it's illegal. They're not paying taxes. So you can't conflate, conflate. that. That's not the same mm. thing. It's... It's a ridiculous argument. But but Reed, speaking of, of of that period and that thing, the first time I came across you was in a Channel 4 documentary that my friend Alex Simwise was doing. Yeah, oh, send some my love to Alex. It was how to make it on OnlyFans. And I was really excited to watch this because sex work is something that has been documented or had documentaries about it so often, but so rarely 
are sex workers having access to the final edit and how it comes across? Right. Like, Louis mm-hmm. Theroux is what he's been on here. He's one of my favorite documentary makers. I don't think he yeah. did the subject justice. I don't think he, he did, did a good it job on terribly. Yeah, anything and again, I think with he's sex amazing, in, but it's just because yeah. he's not in that well, he's world. Very- so. Very BBC about it, isn't he? It's like, oh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so how was that to be involved in it? Was there any nerves? Because as I said, there's been loads of really bad sex work documentaries that probably started yeah. with the best intentions, mm-hmm. but then instantly go to they're broken and they're drug addicted and they're, they're you know, they're, they're trying <laughs> yep. to get through something and all these other things. And it's like, they try and find the X Factor sob story, but w- without the love and heart that they give an X Factor sub story. They try to find it as a <laughs> here's their dark past kind of thing and now, now they're driven to this rather mm-hmm. than what it can be which is something that people enjoy and are good at and yeah, so how was that to be part of and what was your approach? I, I mean, a lot of a lot of the reason why people justify sex work, they have to justify it somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Because most people couldn't imagine doing it. They couldn't do that from themselves. Maybe they have bad experiences with sex or the idea of having sex with a stranger is not okay. So justifying it by saying mental health problems or it must mm-hmm. be just for the money or, you know, daddy issues or they want to be famous and celebrity or anything like that. You know, I wasn't that nervous before working with any TV production team. You you have a meeting and you really lay out what they have in mind. There has been a few documentaries I've been involved with, which has been, yeah, okay. But this one was really female-led, uh, sex worker-led. There was a lot of positivity around it from the start, which was just so nice to see. Everything was done in a good light, even though it ended up on Gogglebox and people were going... Ah, uh, what? She's shaking her feet, like really confused because <laughs> they focused on my my foot fetish side of my sex work, my foot worship side. Yeah. And I would say that I'm a foot fetish expert or specialist yeah. even, maybe not expert. I don't know, I don't know that much. <laughs> but, but that's what was great about it because again, it is the kind of thing that particularly when the pandemic hits, mm-hmm. people think, oh, well, if I can make thousands of selling pictures of my feet, I'll do yeah. that. And that was the beauty of this thing because it was Alex Simwise was picking three people who are new to sex work and taking Mm -hmm. them through and saying, look, here's what you actually, here's what it might be. Here's the work that has to go into it. And kind of, so it wasn't just, again, the name I thought was salacious and probably panicked a lot of of sex workers. Can I just answer my door? Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The classic doorbell. The classic doorbell. It it has to come in there. Well, I mean, while Reed's away, let's keep talking, Florence, because I think one of the things that's, I always have to remind myself is so many of the general public aren't familiar with the term sex work and sex work covers so, so many different things. People think sex workers are full service sex work or what the papers mm-hmm. would probably call prostitutes or whatever else, which again, so many terms that have derogatory histories, but sex work can cover basically anything in the sex industry, right? It can be yeah. literature, it can be content creation, any of these things, podcasting, you know. Yeah, it really, really could be. And there's like, there's, I think since everything went online, there's so many different avenues of sex work that you can yeah. go down as well. Because you've got like, kind of just being like a glamour model, I would say is like teetering on the edge of the industry. And then you've got all the OnlyFans creators. And then you have like the people on TV as well, which Reed used to do before she did the... Um, OnlyFans, saying that the TV stuff was like another avenue of sex work as well. And all the different types of avenues that there are that people don't know about when you just say the word sex work. There's been, Mm -hmm. I I was dating a sex worker for a long time and I'd happily tell my 
family, what they did for a living and mm. friends and things like that. But there would always be that thing of, oh, no, hang on, I need to explain what sex work is here. Because yeah. as soon as I'm saying I'm dating a sex worker, they're assuming a certain thing, which, again, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that either. There's no shame mm-hmm. in that. But it's like, well, to do my partner justice, I need to be clear on what they do so that, you know, that's all open and 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 clear as such. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's sex work is term. the... Um, it is. Sex work is the umbrella term and that yeah. covers so much. You know, it could be anything from full service sex work mm-hmm. to all the way to just accepting a gift on Amazon because you've sent them a, yes. a foot pick. You know, yeah. it's... Financial it's, domination stuff. It's anything, you know. I think yeah. a lot of people just jump to the big stuff that we've seen in the media, in the movies, and like, oh, yeah, having having sex on a dirty mattress in a barren room. And and it's like, that's, that's not the reality of a lot of sex workers' lives. Absolutely no. not. That's extreme. Yeah, sure, makes a good story. Love to see it, but... It paints a really bad picture of what sex workers are like. I think people just get so butthurt that people are there putting themselves in a situation that they couldn't see themselves in. Mm. They just don't understand yeah. it. That, that's the that's the main issue with sex workers. Everyone feels like they have a right to comment on what somebody wants to do with their own body. The, the yeah. beauty is, though, there's so many good memes and stuff these days to just shoot down all of these arguments. And the one I yeah. saw most recently was, how come making sexual content in my own home comfortably is selling my body? But mm-hmm. my 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 granddad, who can't walk now because he worked in a factory his whole life and had no yeah. health care and has damaged his... He's not selling his body, despite the fact his job has literally destroyed his body and I'm quite literally laying down and enjoying myself. So again, We're all it's, selling our bodies yeah, in various different do. ways, right? Yeah. yeah, but people just can't put two and two together when it's to do with sex. It's mm. like... I guess they they can't understand or see that their kind of intimacy might not be the same as somebody else's kind of intimacy, you know? Like yeah. and what sex work gives me is is like a drug, you know? It's it's not it's not comprehensible. I also think that there's something to be said for why people talk about money in sex work. Every time I and I I've, this happens a lot. If I talk, if I say I'm a sex worker, they're like, "Oh yeah, but the money's good." Oh, how much do you make? I was at a sex party and some guy was like, "Yeah, how much do you make a month on OnlyFans?" And I was like, "Whoa." Who are I, you? Like, it was, I was like, if I was in any other industry, any other profession, you would never ask how much I make. Mm. But because I'm a sex worker, you feel like it's okay and acceptable to justify what I'm doing with money. You know, mm. oh, well, you know, it must be for the money. It's like, no, you know what? It might not be for any money. I might not make any money on this. I might do all this all for free. And that's okay too. But it is really nice getting the cash on the side. I do really fucking love that part. <laughs> Well, let's jump to the 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 teased compliment at the start. Like one of the reasons I love you 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 guys existing, being mm-hmm. in 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 the social domain is I do think you're really good at showing people that their view or opinion, which I think again consciously or subconsciously is so often negative of people in the sex work industry in any area of it, mm-hmm. proving them wrong because you you're there every week being articulate, intelligent, open, and, you know, filthy when you choose to be, as <laughs> as is your yeah. right. But also speaking <laughs> about your mental health and focusing on therapy and things like this and, and being balanced people, but not not the false, perfect version of a balanced person. Mm-hmm. Like you're allowed to be flawed, <laughs> yeah. you're allowed to have ups and downs. Yeah. And I think it's really important to have that kind of representation because I think most people couldn't listen 
to your podcast and have the and and end up still having the assumptions that they maybe have prior to it. I think that with all mm. prejudices, like everyone I see who's transphobic, I'm like, dude, get some trans mates. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. you'll see how unscary <laughs> they are and how they're not this big mm-hmm. threat and this and that. And same with every sexuality or race, it feels like it's mm-hmm. the fear of the unknown. So yeah. I love that. So I've just gone off on a, just a complimentary tangent there. But um, <laughs> just speaking on that on that documentary and on sex work in general, because mm-hmm. I think the Money Shot documentary was another one on Netflix. <gasps> we really love that. that. So was good. It's a job, right, of, of so kind good. of opening up and going, right, what you used to know about the porn industry, which was often exploitation and bad situations mm. and abuse, that changed in the OnlyFans era. And again, yeah. we're not painting OnlyFans as heroes here because they've been <laughs> nope. absolutely appalling at points. But that, shit. They're, they're kind of the known one in that transition to the, m- the models or content creators being the ones who get paid mm-hmm. rather than some yeah. studio or some, you know, outside f- force. So how do you feel that has been for the industry and for and for sex workers, I guess? Well, I can't fault OnlyFans. They came up with a really great idea and mm-hmm. the sex industry, the adult industry jumped on it and made them who they are, which yeah. is why I find it so, why we yeah. find it so frustrating that they're not really that supportive of sex workers. In fact, they've shown us time and time again that they are trying really hard to make it not a sex worker platform and they're mm-hmm. embarrassed of us and... You know, they they changed all the, the rules and regulations on there to really separate the sex workers from the people making gym content or cooking videos, which, you know what, you can get that all free on YouTube and yeah. it doesn't sell as good as erotic content. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why people would really be subscribing to the other channels on OnlyFans. Unless they really love someone. I'm sure they do if it's a celebrity, because that was the idea, right? It was a celebrity doing normal stuff and you wanted to pay for that extra yeah. insight. Oh, yeah. And you can like, like view. DM them and like maybe get like an actual message or like. Even though it's a whole team kind of way. on the end speaking back at you kind yeah. of thing. It's or, not, or, not really yeah. necessarily them. I, I got approached to start an OnlyFans account for yes. the podcast stuff and all mm-hmm. that, but turned it down because of the the indication that they're trying to push sex yeah. workers out because it's, yeah. it's not right. But it's worth touching upon again. I was excited to come on your podcast, but I'm excited to have you guys yes. here because the sex work conversation and or, or the sex positive conversation Mm. Or sex honest is the better term. Sex honest, yeah. Sex honest conversation, 100%. It's really important, but it's also important to pop up in places people might not expect, if you know what I mean. Because there's certain people who won't be looking for a sex honest (laughs) podcast. So it's kind of as wild as like, let's ram it in their face here and and they can't escape. Oh, major learn. (laughs) Again, it's why I keep jumping to thinking, right, we need to explain more stuff like we did with the term Mm -hmm. sex work. But again, one of the Mm. big fears that people have because of the way the media has conflated the two is that mm-hmm. sex trafficking is in any way part of sex work or, yep, or so frustrating or any of these things like no the work part should be clear that that means it's legal again mm-hmm. again that's the thing there it's yeah. legal it's consensual it's it's, people it's a agreeing choice to do something it's a mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. sex trafficking is illegal that's not part of sex work every no. sex worker wants to have that stopped and 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 beaten down but Time and time again, the efforts to stop that have, number one, made it harder to catch those people, and number two, made it harder and less safe. I mean, we can talk about Foster and Sester and that kind of thing, less safe for sex workers, Mm because 
And again, it's it's really tough because I'll talk about this with friends who are sex workers and I'll not try and play devil's advocate, but I'll try and point out that a lot of the people pushing for these restrictions do have good intentions, if you know what I mean. The, again, the, 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 big, the big people organising it are all, all religious nutters, but there will be a lot <laughs> yeah. of, there will be a lot of yeah. good people who just think, well, if we can stop one person being trafficked, then it's and things like that. And it's, yeah, it's not realizing that it, yeah. it's not actually a crossover. These two no. things aren't, they don't actually help. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Um, I think it was called like Jane Doe or something on mm-hmm. Netflix that mm. came out at the same time as all the Foster Sester stuff. And it was basically a propaganda film right. towards that bill being passed. Right. And they got loads of celebrities. I think Amy Schumer was in it. Um, Whoa. To back this, like, you know, anti human trafficking thing. Mm-hmm. But it just made the whole thing this, like, huge sob story about um, human trafficking when that really wasn't what Foster Sester was going to help with at no. all. Just it was opposite. such a scary time. Um, I remember I was working at Vice back at the time and I was doing a lot of like little documentaries while well, trying to because it was mm-hmm. so hard to get my female voice out there, mm-hmm. especially talking about sex work at even such a woke company as Vice. Mm -hmm. And I went on a sex workers protest in Hollywood and there was one in London, which Reed was at as well. And yeah, it was a scary time because they took away all of the safety precautions online that sex workers were using to keep them safe and to find work without being on the street, Mm -hmm. right? But then the crazy thing is is that them taking this away actually took away the access from the police to actually find the sex traffickers. The real life sex traffickers were harder to find Mm -hmm. because of this bill because they're no longer on the online world, but they're on the deep dark web that's Mm -hmm. even harder to get access to. And on the street, actually just picking people up who are sex workers who are now trying to get by because yeah. uh, they can't advertise on Backpage or any of those sites anymore because those being taken down. And they can't pre-vet and pre and, and yeah. kind of check before they go Have and meet the people. rating and system, like yeah. yeah. Like adult people work has died. the rating system. Yeah. 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 And and it's the same in the UK. You know, they they say, oh, sex work is legal, but it isn't. It's very, it's very confusing and convoluted. If I have an experience and I don't feel safe doing sex work from my home or from a hotel room, and I bring in another sex worker friend to, to be there to make me feel safe, mm-hmm. she can also do sex work at the same time. If someone there is violent towards us, when we're both in the same place, it means that they can go to the police and say, we were using this space as a brothel and we could get faced with being arrested or prosecuted because we wanted to be in the same space. It turns it into a brothel, which means people can come along and be violent with us in the hope that they're going to get away with it because we just wanted to feel safe and and maybe do sex work from the same place. Or if we're doing like a a double, a, a double session, that can also be seen well that is technically illegal under the uk's eyes and and we could we could go to prison for it and it's crazy it's consenting adults and it's it's safety it's why Mm -hmm. so many things need to be legalization rather than decriminalization because legalization means that because again i don't think that it should just be a Mm free-for-all on the internet or in in the real world there there should be safety measures and regulation Mm -hmm. and all these kind of things but that happens when you 
fully accept it as an industry and as an acceptable work yeah. rather than this hidden little thing that you're kind mm-hmm. of saying, well, let's stop them doing this or stop them doing yeah. that. And Sex workers want to get rid of the traffickers. We want to help. But the way, the way that it's been processed or the way that we've been made to feel about it is that we can't even report it without fearing our own safety, mm. which is what makes it so, so awful. I don't understand why people are creating these laws and putting in SESTA Foster and not actually asking the sex workers what's best and what's the safest and what's the best solution. It's always just these big stuffy people thinking they know what's best, but it ends up fucking everything up and making things more safe. Yeah. They literally don't care about sex workers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seen as expendable you know we're not actually yeah. real humans we're, we're dehumanized well, because, the because of the sex work part yeah and that's why so many sex workers are murdered because yeah. people literally don't see sex workers as real people mm. yeah and we you know what like I, i'll put my hands up and say when i'm watching porn yes i don't want to actually think that they are real people i'm there within a fantasy yeah, and i like course. that fantasy realm that, that was the stuff that you realm. watched <laughs> yeah the stuff that i watch i definitely don't want to think they're real people um but this is why i make sure i, I go to like porn production houses like kink where i know that it's safe and i know that there are yeah. you know, before yeah. conversations after conversations but like we we like that. We don't really want to know that this person might have children or that person might be like studying to go to college. We actually just want to be there to get our nut off. And that's also okay. But mm. it's just like going to the cinema. We go to the cinema and we still recognize that we can be suspended in the belief for the time being of the film, but leave going like, oh yeah, I wonder what Brad Pitt's up to these days, you know? Yeah. We we get that. Why can't we do that with porn? We we yeah. can have a yeah. healthy balance, but we don't we don't see or we don't learn about it at school. I feel yeah. like I'd like to know what the sex workers were up to after the, their films. Like, yeah. if they're going to college, if they're, you know, getting a, their PhD, like, that's mm. really fucking cool. I'd rather wank to you than someone that <laughs> didn't have a PhD, you know? Like, no, that's not that's not true. That's, that's also bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really tough because of the stigmas around sex work. So, so many sex workers have to have, here's my sex work profile. Yeah, and here's the, my real life. If you even have a yeah. real life representation, the and that's, is there. And that's yeah. such a shame. And again, I get it mm-hmm. for safety and other things, but it's the stigma around again, not even just sex works, sex in general. And I think that's why podcasts like yours are so important because it can be an open and free discussion and education on a lot of things. And if there will be laughter, and you will regularly pull each other up on things and say, mm-hmm. no, actually, we should. that's not actually how, how we should be looking at that. And, and, and that's beautiful because yeah. the only thing I enjoyed about the whole OnlyFans thing was the fact that they did back down on it. And that's so rare for mm-hmm. a big company. Right, like, again, yeah. I, love, I love that in politicians when they go, mm-hmm. you know what, I fucked up. Let's yeah. go back to this. You know, that's a positive thing that they went. And again, people argue it's because they were about to lose all their money. Good. They learned yeah, the power of the sex workers. They yeah. learned that yeah. the sex workers were holding their wallet, literally. Yeah. So I yeah. love that they backed down in that and went, mm-hmm. no, actually, it's all good. But yeah, I think that's I think that's important in discussion on all these things that and again, people get too scared in society now that you they'll get scared of certain topics because they don't know everything about it and they're worried that they'll say yeah. something wrong and people will jump on them and things like that. And it's why I like the the conversation or no, kind of the friendship nature of your podcast, that it's mm. two friends chatting rather than, you know, there will be genuinely educational bits. There's loads I've learned and there's loads like <laughs> and, 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 and there's loads of, of laughter and fun as well. But 
that's kind of key. So, so can you tell me a little bit about how about the history of 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 Come Curious and of of Fucks Given? How did did you, you, you two come together? What was your motivation? I guess. Oh uh, yeah, our origin story is origin great. Story. Yeah, we um we met each other on a porn set. First time we met each other. Dodgy little porn dodgy set. Dodgy Like <laughs> someone should have taken those motherfuckers to court. Yeah. But um, we, we did young. take them to the police right before we left. Yeah, you did, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So that was that was like through the threats you were getting down the phone. That was on another level, like. Oh, but yeah, that's from, horrific. From the dark black clouds, there was the silver lining of of meeting each other, and yeah. um, I needed someone to move in with me. And Florence was commuting from Brighton, so she ended up moving in, and we just. All we did was talk about sex. We clicked instantly. Mm. It was just most evenings we were there drinking a cup of tea in our dressing gowns and we were both like, well, we both have creative film backgrounds. You know, like we both went to uni. We both did this. Like, why don't we start filming ourselves talking about this? No one's doing this online. This Mm. was nine years ago when no one was talking about sex online. I mean, most you got was like the odd sex toy blogger. Yeah, um, there were. It was like, you know, no one. Oh, yeah, there were people, but they no one that would put their faces and their names so boldly out there being like, yeah, we're going to talk about anal. We're going to talk about BDSM um, and see what happens and kind of just started from there. We knew that we needed to show our faces to actually Mm -hmm. eradicate the shame because I think Mm -hmm. we saw all these anonymous bloggers out there and we were like, well, they're not doing anything to eradicate the shame because Mm. they're not showing their face, which means they are in turn partly ashamed of what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as like... It's only sex workers who have secret diaries. (laughs) Everyone else, they're on the front page and they're they're getting a deal with the Daily Mail to have sections of their diary publicised there. It's like, no, but when it's sex workers, it's the secret diaries of this. Yeah. Yeah. And we we have been talking about so many things that have just made us feel so comfortable with ourselves that I don't think I spoke to as honestly and openly with anyone else apart from when I met Reed, which was just like discharge, nipple hairs, like the the BDSM stuff. The fantasies we had, like the fucked up fantasies we had that we had kept buried deep down. We were like, can't tell anyone that. And then we could tell each other and the relief and the, the feeling you get when you're talking to somebody that actually knows and understands what you feel. It made is us like, feel yeah. confident and yeah. comfortable in our bodies. And we we just thought, well, if this is how having these conversations make us two feel, mm-hmm. we can spread this message. Yeah. We can spread just like joy. start talking about it. And oh my God, our first videos on YouTube were like the most awkward, <laughs> shy, like unedited, really sat in front of the camera unfiltered. before. Yeah, but like as as time went on and and what was the turning point for for the YouTube channel was just the feedback we got. We got a lot of negativity as well, but the feedback, it's the positive YouTube. feedback. There will yes. be there. YouTube is one of the is the worst oh place for the God. negative feedback. You yeah. I'd be surprised. I, I put my first thing on YouTube recently in years because I've stopped doing mm. most music stuff, but I had this little thing I did and I genuinely as I was uploading, I was like Am I going to leave the comments on or off? I was like, if I turn them off, it's not going to get any reach whatsoever. But do I give a fuck? Because this is... I I end up leaving them on and everyone's been lovely so far. But it's purely because of that. Purely because of in the past going, Mm -hmm. oh, check how this thing I'm really proud of has done. Mm -hmm. And there's someone just calling me a cunt. 
right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wicked. Well, we've cool. been, okay. we've literally been told <laughs> we've had that death someone threats. should murder us. We've, we yeah. should be raped. We should be raped. Like everything, out. it's been all all encompassing. But yeah, the, it was through again through the horribleness. We got really incredible positive messages. We had one girl maybe from over in Scandinavia that was like, I've just been through a really abusive relationship and I was I was thinking about suicide until I saw your channel and you changed everything for me. And that was yeah. like a, a real memorable turning point where we were both like, oh, fuck, this isn't just helping people feel more confident. This is like self-acceptance and getting over a lot of shit that they've been through. and Anti-shame. Yeah. Anti-shame, yeah. And it was, I mean, it's been a roller coaster, beautiful relationship since then. And we made the, <laughs> We made the podcast, which has even spread more yeah. into more people's ears. But yeah, we're still we're still doing it and still facing a lot of the same issues we did before with uh, censorship and demonetization Always. and not not being supported enough with, with like on our platforms. And yeah, it's just it is still a constant battle. Even nine years later, it's still a constant mm. battle. I mean, how yeah. do you find that? Because you guys are proper on point with your branding, with your clips, with everything else. I think you do a really good job on the production side, yet you're trying to talk about sex on Instagram, which <laughs> is a really tough yeah. thing. So how does that kind of hit you to put all this work into making everything look dope and then knowing that one wrong word in the title or in the caption could mean that no one sees this? You know, it's such a weird... Yeah. I feel like situation. I could cry, you know? Like, yeah. it's so frustrating. It's we've tried really hard to not censor ourselves. I think that that's what we want to be as authentic as possible. That was and, the and, point, right? All, yeah. From the very beginning, it was like, we're the ones that are going to say this shit. We're just going to say it loud and proud. And mm -hmm. we know it's going to affect and like people are going to hear it in a be different way if we are offended. just like honest. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and it will enlighten people and empower people all at the same yeah. time. And I think that's why it's been such a slow burn because we haven't bent ourselves to fit the Instagram rules and we haven't bent ourselves to, like, we got, we, I don't want to say fired, but ACAST turned around was like, sorry, we can't do advertising with you guys anymore because of the content. Really? Yeah. 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 And, like, and we're just like, oh, fuck. To hear. Like, what What do we do? Luckily, yeah. there are other places that mm. we could go to, but we've, we face that time and time again. Even just having... Fuck as fucks given the podcast title, but it's still F asterisk asterisk K. Yeah. That can still be impossible to search and it doesn't come up automatically. And we've had to change the name to come curious just to be able to be found. To be found easier, yeah, of course. So yeah, it's it's been it's a constant battle. That it that is hard. It is hard for us. Um and we go through waves of Yeah, we've we, are, we really love the success that we have had. And I think last year we won an award for being Sex yes. and Relationship Content Creators at the, of the Year at the Blogosphere Awards. Amazing. And that was like one of the first times that we really felt that we did have the recognition for all the work that we had done. Because right. we put a lot of stuff out there and we, we're vulnerable. We, and I think that means that you put like double the amount of energy mm -hmm. out into the world. And we do feel like sometimes we don't get anything back. Yeah, the recognition that we deserve, you know? like Because <laughs> like, we're not able to fund ourselves. Like, we we have mm -hmm. to... Like, the, the truth of it is that we do our sex work, OnlyFans stuff, on the side to fund our lives because this doesn't. This. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this doesn't. I don't think we've paid ourselves in, like, what, six months' time? 
Yeah, we haven't we haven't earned a dime. No, it, madness, we've actually lost money in that time. Like, yeah, we lost money. It's madness because oh. again, you, you only have to browse the replies and comments on your mm. Instagram or on your YouTube and see the amount of people who are loving the content you're doing, yeah. who are benefiting from the content that you're doing. So it really is a shame. And I think it's really interesting on the Instagram thing because it makes me think of the first time in the music industry I accepted that sometimes you have to make concessions. And it was, mm. we had like a second or third single out and they wanted to do a radio edit. And I was always like, I grew up on on punk bands and that. I'm like, nah, fuck that. I ain't doing a radio edit, not this. And, and our, our radio plugger kind of explained, was like, look, the album is your work of art. Mm-hmm. It's now my job to get as many people to that album as possible. And it's yes, the same with yeah. your podcast cunning. The mm-hmm. podcast can be completely unfiltered and uncensored but you can game the algorithm over on Instagram to get people to that. Like if you have to, at points, do ones that aren't as as salacious or aren't as Mm -hmm. as this or that or or are slightly censored, then you can make that work because it's leading to, here's where, you know, it's all pointing in that direction, if you know what I mean. So it's weird where you have to choose to make those concessions and and see what works, I guess. It's tough. It's a tough choice because it feels like you're losing a part of yourself or part of your identity when you're hiding that. Um, But you're right. It's unfortunately, like, this is the world that we live in. And to get people to get to the good stuff, to who we really are, we do have to censor ourselves and chop little bits out and be a little bit more careful. I wish it wasn't the way, but it's almost no point being angry at it. And, you know, like, giving that time and energy, we just, it's just something we have to accept and try and change for the future. And I I think it's getting there. Think it's getting there. <laughs> I just want to Slowly. quickly add and clarify that mm. I've been with ACAST since they started and since I started, and that's so mm. disappointing to hear that, yeah. that you've had to go away from that. That's it's crazy because yeah. again, it's it's like it feels like all things like like again as we've talked about OnlyFans. OnlyFans hit problems when they got successful because mm-hmm. suddenly yeah. there's there's big people with money who are going, well, we're not sure about that. It's like, nah, yeah. fuck that. Oh, the, don't the want to point, back the sex. The, the point of podcasts is that they have that f- freedom. I've given this example loads, but it feels relevant because of sex trafficking. I did an episode mm-hmm. years ago with a young lady who had been brought to this country in under sex trafficking, and yeah. it was fucking heartbreaking. It was in collaboration with a Comic Relief or, or mm-hmm. one of those, and they ended up kind of washing their hands of it because... Oh, really? We, 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 we had this conversation and it was, honestly, it was heart-wrenching. She mm. was crying, I was crying. Oh, my but God, yeah. it was her story in her words. So I refused to edit any of it. I cleared with her, but I refused to edit any of it because it's an uncomfortable lesson. But editing her words is kind of saying to her that she's done something wrong. Yeah, And she'd just come to terms with the fact that everything that had been d- done to her was not her fault, was not her mm-hmm. doing something wrong. It's the fucking horrible people that did this stuff. So mm-hmm, yeah. we put that episode out. It didn't end up get, get, getting pushed as part of the big campaign, mm. but it got nominated for a humanitarian award thing because uh-huh. it was this it, it was this real, it was so raw. And it was it really made me realize the importance of podcasts, that mm-hmm. it, it is that platform where, and again, to a fault at points, because there's a load of people saying horrible shit on podcasts that is damaging. So <laughs> yes. it's, it's the same with YouTube. It's a tough yeah. one. Like, like you can kind of do what you want, but that has its good and its bad. But the good's really important because the bad is going to yeah. be going on. The bad mm-hmm. podcasters and the bad YouTubers are going to be shouting as loud as possible. So it's so important to support 
the ones who are using that freedom to speak honestly and openly for good reasons mm. and positivity. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're going to r- r- run out of time soon, but um, <laughs> I, I'd like you to kind of talk to me a little bit about the inclusivity of the sex honest or sex positive scene. Because like, Reed, there's been times I've had to be really careful on the likes on your Instagram because I don't want to come across as a creep, but you'll be <laughs> at certain events and it'll be so beautiful to see a range of sexes, races, genders, mm-hmm. uh, uh, variations of, of disabilities and all sorts of other things, all just there equal and celebrating and being their true selves. And it's such a positive thing. From the oh. outside, before I'd seen any of this kind of thing, I would have thought, oh, a sex party. Oh, like you'll have a specific thing. You will think of the porn version of a sex party, but it's like, mm-hmm. it is that and everything else, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It is incredibly sexy and ten- and, mm-hmm. and and tender and and sensual, but also it's this inclusivity. So yeah, like how important a part is that for for you guys in being part of this world, I guess. Mm, I think I think the sex industry and the sex world is just is just more accessible for everyone. Yeah. It's it welcomes everybody. It's like the queer scene. The queer scene is probably the most inclusive scene that you can possibly get anywhere. They include everybody and anyone and it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing or what you look like. They welcome you into that world. And it's very similar with the sex positive world as well. It's mm. it's almost like the more extreme things are or the more... No, extreme's not I the right, it's like right word. The more, like, it's like things that are hard to talk about and things that there are like that mm-hmm. world shame and the rest of society is like against... If you come together outside of that together, it's always this hugely positive space and everyone's kind of just so accepting and there for each other because they know of the shame and the darkness that everyone faces on the other side. I think like for us, like when we started going to all these events and, you know, being part of this world, I just remember thinking like, wow, like these are the nicest people I have ever The met. nicest, nicest, most empathetic, understanding mm. people yeah. that, that just, it, you just click with that, you just get it. I mean, there's still a lot to be done. There are still um, sex parties that aren't inclusive and there are still spaces that have a lot of work to do. But compared to the rest of the other areas and industries and workplaces, <laughs> like... I mean, it's a dream over here. Yeah. Like, I mean, even the sex worker protests and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my God. They were just like the most amazing, mm-hmm. empowering spaces. I had the opportunity to take my mum to the sex workers protest out yes. here in LA when it was the Foster Sester times. Mm. And she got to stand there when they were doing like speeches and telling their stories. And I was like, this is like one of the most valuable things that I, I could have ever given to my mother. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it was such a cool experience. And I just, I only, I only hope because sex is for everybody. We like to think it's not for everybody. We like to think it's only for able-bodied, white, pretty people, but that's just not the case. Sex is for everybody. And the more we talk about sex, the more people are wanting to dive in and learn more. And and if you're using the correct terms, if you are making sure that the space that you're in, that you're holding is inclusive of everyone, then it just it just makes sense. People are people are learning without even learning. It's becoming more acceptable. Like, you know, how difficult was it when 
um, non-binary became mainstream. And the way that people spoke, it was it was really hard. A lot of people fought against it. They didn't understand it. Yeah. But the more you listen to sex positive podcasts and spaces, the easier it is because you're hearing it and it's easier for you to just clock in and you know, and make a simple change is, you know, instead of a he or a she, it's a they. And yeah. Yeah. and yes, we, we're human. We do make mistakes. I still make mistakes. And that's perfectly okay. But it's it's having the, like, the acceptance to want to learn. And sometimes it's not even learning. Sometimes you're not even, like, I'm going to learn to do this. It's just there. It's part it's, of the conversation. It's just about conversation, isn't it? Or, or the amount of people who completely erased all memory of using the words they or them prior to, mm. to that conversation is like I'd, I'd speak to to family members and say I guarantee there's been times where you've said oh I was at the doctor today and they said this yeah that's it that's a that's a singular <laughs> they'll be like no but they's plural it's like no you will have, you've used that as a singular many times one hundred percent plural as well that's dope that I get that and it can be confusing but yeah you're forgetting. All the mm. times you casually say they when referring to Isn't an it, individual. People lost their minds. <laughs> I feel like when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used they all the fucking mm. time. Mm. Yeah. And I remember being like corrected. No, it's not like it's not they. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's for a group of people. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that the natural instinct was just to say they. Because yeah. it was like come back a around. Term. My favorite yeah. just mm-hmm. not that I want to just recite memes and tweets on here but my favorite thing with the recent um protests against the banning of drag in in america because oh. it's a there's a very particular right-wing argument that is used a lot and i saw a tweet that just said banning drag isn't going to solve the problem the only way to stop bad people in dresses is to have more good people in dresses yes <laughs> i love that it's so perfect it's like there you go yeah. that's just that, that really throws your sh- Shitty gun argument on its head, but yeah, I saw, I saw. If we're on the subject of memes, I saw a really good meme yesterday, which was like, "Why are we shaming saggy boobs when testicles exist?" Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" I love that so much. It's perfect. Well, I mean, as I start to wrap things up, as you can see, I could have talked to you guys for hours on end. Um, (laughs) We would have loved that. Um, It would be so good. (laughs) I want to kind of just ask you a little bit about how you navigate the world of relationships on on oh. on, on two points here because <laughs> sex work and just being a podcaster that that, that mm-hmm. talks about relationships because I've definitely had friends before who I'm not going to name names but I've got a friend who's got a podcast <laughs> and she ends up talking about relationships a lot and there was a yeah. point when we were I was wondering is something going to happen here and I panicked a little bit because I'm a very private person I was like mm. oh but what if something happens and it gets talked about on the podcast and then so, so sex work aside, how do you kind of broach that? Because you do talk about experiences and relationships yeah. and things like that on the podcast. So how is that to, to put to partners or potential partners? Or how early do you put that well, to partners? We have to have the conversation pretty <laughs> yeah. much like on the first first or second dates. Yeah, yeah. it has, it to, has be like, to be a, okay, we have a sex podcast. How do you feel about this being yeah. spoken about? You can stay anonymous or we can actually name you. Like, what are you feeling? It's almost like a, a, not the interview stage, but it's like a vetting process for us for dating, I swear. Yeah. yeah. Like if they're yeah. like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's like, Is this oh, a problem? Is- All right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had like a huge problem with um, my, that's so why I was, I had a partner for four and a half years when we started the podcast and when we started to come curious actually as well. And well, 
I met him just after we started Come Curious. But he was very like kind of, I think he just saw it as this like small like side hobby that wasn't mm-hmm. really going to go phase. It's a phase. Mm. Yeah. And then like the more, the bigger it got, the more kind of like emasculated I think he felt. Mm-hmm. And he was very private as a person. And he didn't really like, like he didn't want his name on the podcast. That's mm-hmm. quite understandable. But mm-hmm. like... He didn't really like any of that side. And I I think at the time of the relationship, I was like, I think I'm thinking about doing sex work again and doing um, camming and stuff. And he was just mm-hmm. like, absolutely not. Like, you're not doing that. Fuck. Um, not cool, man. Not fucking cool. I think it's really uh, interesting because I think everyone's allowed to have their own comfort and boundaries. But equally, yes. it's like you're allowed to tell him to fuck off then. Do you know what I mean? In, in, in <laughs> yes, that respect, like, I, I don't necessarily think it's unfair or out of order of a man say I'm not comfortable with that. Again, mm-hmm. yeah. try it. You might feel different. It might feel normal. But I, I do think it's unfair to say, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, it, that's that's the, the bad yeah. area. It was, it was just one of those relationships, I think, that like the podcast wasn't good for it. But that was okay. Because yeah. the relationship was bad anyway. The relationship wasn't good anyway. And I grew and I was I'd, so much fucking happier I'd, without I'd it. rather yeah. have a podcast than you. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, we talk so openly on the podcast. Like mm. when you came and joined us on our podcast and, and sort of like messaging you, are you okay with talking about this and yeah, this? Yeah, and yeah. I was so, so like happy and proud and excited that you were willing to open up like yeah. that. Because yeah. initially it was like, do we need to talk about music? Uh, and like <laughs> Dame Baptiste is a mate and I, I cracked up at a couple of times that you put stuff and he yes. moved on quite quickly and I was like come on Dane you got that most open guy in the world I love Dane dearly but yeah, yeah I, I need it's... to actually bring something up about that episode because it's oh, yeah. been on my mind ever since right mm-hmm. I started the episode I'd just got in from somewhere and it'd been cold outside and I had a hoodie on mm-hmm. I kept that hoodie on by the end of the recorded v- video episode I am bright red and it looks like I'm getting really <laughs> embarrassed about all these sexy conversations but I was just sweating out just like I, I, I don't know a right time to say I'm going to start and, or starting to take my clothes off on a video <laughs> podcast isn't isn't ideal That's either so but funny. I probably um, one of the clips went up and I thought I just look like I'm blushing in this but I just <laughs> that's great no we love that just the the heat and also it makes for good content makes for good watching Um, but yeah you you opened up so well with us Um, and the amount of compliments and people have messaged in being like (laughs) oh my god Scroobius Pip he's daddy he's so daddy oh yeah there was a comment that was like every single woman wants to fuck Scroobius Pip after this episode this is what I wanted to say the positives of going on (laughs) (laughs) so my friend messaged me oh my god dude I ended up having a sex dream about him last night which is in in reference to you so amazing. yeah you're in it amazing I love um, it but to go back to the relationship stuff because on the sex work front as well because when I met mm, my partner yes. who was a sex worker like I was fully aware I was I was a fan it was a good yeah. thing this wasn't a problem but again it is a weird thing to have to bring up if so if you have met someone through a different means like Basically, if you meet someone on social media now, they're going to know because of how your social media is, right? And and that's what yeah. happened with my partner. I knew what my partner's yes. work was because she was a proud sex worker. But mm-hmm. if we hadn't met, I don't know how comfortable it would have been to bring that up, how I would have reacted in the moment, being caught yeah. off guard, you know? 
It's, yeah. I mean, you've got two sides of it. Well, what we put out is what we expect people to see. And it's like, again, part of this vetting process. It's on my dating profile. Mm. But you also get the other side where a lot of people fetishize what you do and yeah. um, fetishize being a oh, sex God. worker or fetishize that you put on lingerie and, and take like hot photos and end up being like, well, you know, like, let's create OnlyFans content together when we haven't even said another word to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that fantasy of us being really like open about sex and, you know, we're going to show you this whole new world. And then when it actually comes down to it, that can become really complicated. Both Florence and I have had experiences where they've been fine with it at the beginning, but the more serious something gets, the more they realise they actually can't handle it and they actually yeah. do have a problem with it. And there is that internal shame there. That's what you touched upon earlier of the dehumanisation. So, and then yes. when, you, when you gradually become a human to them, mm-hmm. they're yeah. suddenly they're uncomfortable like, oh, with it. It's oh, like, yeah. shit, you're a human, you're a real... Yeah. You're a real person. Weird, I don't right? I don't know how I feel about this, even though all the way through I'm saying like, but yes, like going and doing foot worship meets is everything to me. I enjoy it so much. It's something I don't want to stop. Mm. Um, yeah. And they're still going, oh, but it's weird and it's gross. And it's like, yes, that's exactly why I fucking love it. That's the point. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like there's a lack of acceptance into who we really are as people. Mm. You know, it's that's this the thing, right? It's the it? It's the fantasy that like, you know, we're good girls on the inside and this is all just a facing front. And when we're not, it's like, oh, Christ, like, what am I going to tell my parents? Like, how do I deal with talking to my work colleagues or to my friends that that she's an open, not just a secret sex worker, mm. but open about it on her social media? I feel like a lot of the time we're just dealing with a lot of immaturity around it, mm. a lot of immaturity and misinformation and no drive to want to learn something else. To, to, yeah. to ask us directly. It's fucking amazing when people are supportive, though. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. So much. I remember when yeah. my ex was like, just like, yeah, like, I think it's so boss that you do OnlyFans. Like, I was yes. so, so cool. Mm. And I never, like, you know, asked it. I never prompted that. Mm-hmm. It just sort of, like, came out of nowhere. And I was just like, oh. Like, I, I, it felt really nice that yeah. he was proud of me for doing something that maybe a lot of partners wouldn't really be down for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Same with uh, my relationship before my last one. Uh, my ex, we, we were together for seven years and he was the most supportive, yeah. understanding person. Like, he was there for me through through everything and there was no judgment from him. There was maybe some confusion afterwards with him trying to figure out if like non-monogamy and monogamy was his thing, but all the way through, he was so supportive and we talked a lot about it. And I know that there are people out there, but it's it's quite rare and hard to find. Dating is definitely hard D- for us. Dating? Oh, yeah, oh I, my God. Of course. But again, I think you've you've nailed it there that it, it is something that needs to be discussed right at the start because why bother mm-hmm. otherwise? Because, yeah. yeah. you know what I mean? Because again, I do think it's complex. And it's the same as you touch on monogamy, non-monogamy, and you talk about all the different kind of different ogamies that are that are an option kind of thing. <laughs> and they're all okay. And they're all okay to not not be into. But yes. you need to make sure you're on the same page with each other. Yeah, the same page. Monogamy is just as beautiful as, as non-monogamy. Yeah. There are no like differences in levels. Yeah. Although at the moment, I feel like we're going through this wave where it's like cool to be non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And it's it's they are both equal. But I lost my train of thought. No, but no, <laughs> again, I, I, no, I completely 
think you're right. I remember having a friend years mm-hmm. ago who I kind of f- fell out with because they were in an open relationship, but they were really judgmental of everyone who's not in an open relationship. Oh, so they were no. very much like, they've all not learned that this is the best way to be. It's like, no, it's the best for you. And that's so fucking beautiful. But yeah. it's not the best for this person here. And that's beautiful too. Like all yeah. of these things are okay. And I think like the way I always kind of reasoned it out with a sex work. So as I said, I dated a sex work and I had my, my boundaries and, and my limits. Like, Amazingly mm-hmm. supportive. I'd love coming up with ideas and 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 and, th- and throwing in shoot ideas and content suggestions. But equally, I didn't want to see everything. I I, yes. I I wanted our sexual exchanges to be ours, mm-hmm. and then the you work ones boundaries. to be work ones. Kind of yeah, mm-hmm. and and put boundaries, and that's fine. But the reason I could j- kind of justify that was I know that when I was touring, I had no problem with people with anyone who would say I don't want to date a musician because you're mm-hmm. on the road for nine months of the year or just because musicians <laughs> yeah. have terrible reputations but as, yeah, as, as we yeah. know Florence um, <laughs> but, um, but, um, but yeah it, it, I think it, it, things like that are fine it's fine to say I wouldn't be hugely offended if someone had said to me I don't want to date someone with your lifestyle because it's it is a choice so but you need to get that out mm. of the way quickly because why agree. waste time with someone who's then going to secretly mm-hmm. turn around and go actually I'm not comfortable with any of this. I think you should stop yeah. doing it. I think this and think that. And it's like, ah, oh, And fuck. then you're already in love with them. Yeah, and, and it's, it's too late. Like it's too late. Nah. Yeah. It's, I, it, yeah. It's almost like when you put it on your dating profile or when mm-hmm. you say it the first time you meet someone, it's accepting yourself. If you're not saying that, then there's a part yeah, of you that yeah, yeah. doesn't fully accept yourself yeah. and your your beliefs or your um your deal breakers. Like I've I've got very strict deal breakers on mine now which is like they they must respect sex workers mm-hmm. they they yeah. they must be into kink they you know they must be non-monogamous or poly otherwise we're going to both hurt each other we're going to yeah. break each other's hearts and and that's not fair on anyone so yeah definitely put that stuff out there it's if it's important to you it should be important to yeah. the person you're trying to attract yeah. Yeah. We'll keep you updated on how it all goes. Yeah. 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 I'll be tuning <laughs> yeah. in. It'll be yeah. fine. I'll find out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you'll see on so, social media. So, yeah. so, what is ahead? I'll, I'll wrap things up by kind of asking mm-hmm. what's ahead. Obviously, you've got the book coming out, mm-hmm. Florence. What uh, Have you got any kind of outrageous, grand goals or ambitions um, of what you want to do with the podcast, mm. with the YouTube, or just in, in, in this world yeah. in general? Gosh, we just want to go, like, we want to go more global. Like, that's mm-hmm. always been our mission is just to, like, reach more and more and more people so that we can get more people just having conversations about sex that might, you know, change their lives and make them feel more comfortable about themselves. Um, we're definitely thinking about, we're going to have a big rebrand yeah. at some point very, very soon, which yeah. we're super excited about. There's things, there's things bubbling underneath the surface. Lots of things at the moment, and it's been, it's been a mad roller coaster for us. It really has. We've, yeah. we've gone, we've gone through it all in the past year, I would say. But yeah, good things will be coming. I mean, we've got Florence's book launch coming up. Florence is coming to London, and we actually yes. get to spend some proper time to time Yay. together, which will be really nice. We're supposed to be talking at uh, We Out Here Festival, which I hope Florence can make. Um, yeah, we'll see. Just, yeah, more big stuff. We just want to talk in big, big crowds and help get into more people's ears and help educate people and help them feel more comfortable about themselves. That's the whole point of what we do. Yeah. And go buy my book. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> the talk side of things, it's such an important topic because people are very quick to 
point the finger at the free access to pornography as an issue for so mm-hmm. many young men being not well adjusted, but it's education that solves that. It's not yeah. like you like you can't put it all back in the bag now. Porn's out there. It's mm-hmm. it's a thing. Whether you like it or not, it's there. So it yeah. is talking about these things and educating properly rather than the only thing young men and women have to go by is some porn videos or whatever else. Yeah. I mean, changing the laws around sex work and sex education and pornography, that would be the yeah. ultimate dream. Like doing doing stuff on a big scale. And I think you know, who knows? Maybe there's some politicians out there listening to our podcast mm-hmm. and it's actually changing a few ideas. Yeah. So maybe we're getting there. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe the one that was at number 10, the curious fucker fucked at number 10. Oh my God. Yeah. We had a, this crazy fuck off story of um someone literally having sex in oh, wow. 10 Downing Street who was a curious fucker who sent in their story. It was mad. And Boris Johnson texted who they were pegging at the time. Oh, they were being pegged as well. They were being yes. pegged. I mean, this is <laughs> what, a, what a teaser to end on. <laughs> you have to listen to the episode to find out more. <laughs> Go and listen, exactly. Well, thank you both for taking the time to chat today and just thank you in general for all your work. I said, I appreciate your existence in the world. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. And thank Thanks you for, for having, having us, us on. on. Honestly, like you have been an inspiration. We like, I don't want to say we grew up watching you or I grew up <laughs> listening to you because that sounds kind of creepy, but like in like the most... <laughs> Positive, beautiful, sexy kind of way. Yeah, good. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Florence and Reed. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I clearly did. I had a wonderful time talking to these girls twice in like a couple of weeks on their podcast and on mine. One thing I thought after we stopped recording I wanted to clarify is, because I talked a little bit about them talking about relationships and past um, sexual interactions or whatever, they do always get consent on that and they even then they keep everyone anonymous. So it's it's all beautiful and legit and and, and moral. I wasn't sure if we, if we made that clear in the conversation. I wasn't sure if it. I was implying that, yeah, it was kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> but it's not. So, yeah, get Florence's book. This book will make you feel something. It is Masturbation May. You might be hearing that and thinking, what are you talking about? It's a really positive thing. It's not been started by a bunch of cre- cre- creepy old men. It's been started largely by women. And it's about getting to know your own body and your own wants and your own needs better. And acknowledging that and not being ashamed of that. I went to an all-boys Catholic school, so all that kind of thing was really drenched in shame. And if you're into shame, then fair play. But other than that, yeah, it's worth, um, yeah, check the hashtag out or follow both of these amazing women on social media. And they're posting about it a lot at the moment anyway. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. And I'll be back next week with another amazing guest i've recorded next week's already and it's so good it's one of my favorite conversations i've had and it's one that loads of you will be going into going i don't know anything about this person or necessarily about the subject that we're discussing but i think you'll all really enjoy it so um yeah and spread the word on on on, on this episode as well as said i want this to get out to as many people as possible so spread the word far and wide until next week this has been the distraction pieces podcast i am scroobius pip stay safe and stay sane 
Ta-ta.